Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hello, Morning Combat fans. It is Wednesday, the 24th of November, 2021. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of your hosting duel. I appreciate you joining me. Welcome to Morning Combat, but a special edition of Morning Combat. We know tomorrow is Turkey Day. It's Thanksgiving Day, but the fights do roll on. There is no MMA this weekend. It is just boxing, and we thought, you know what? Who could we get to get us ready for two big boxing fights? And I was like, let's go to the man who's written about polar bears and lives in Vermont. It is my friend and yours. It is Kieran Mulvaney, who, by the way, one half of the hosting duo behind Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney, a wonderful podcast. How are you doing, sir? Good, good. You mean, who could we find who's got nothing else to do the day before Thanksgiving? <laughs> That's right. We, let, let's get somebody who's got nothing else going on. Who has no life at all. <laughs> How are you doing, Kieran? I, Kieran, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe we met at some point on the road... I want to say either at a Canelo fight or maybe one of Lamont Peterson's fights, maybe like a decade or more ago when you were living in the area. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I think it actually was a Lamont Peterson fight um, when he fought a couple times in D.C., right? So, yeah, yeah, I think it was yeah sometime back then. It's been a while. As we were talking off camera, it's been a couple years since they even went to a fight, so it has to have been a fair few years ago. Well, you do a great job. You've been in the business a long time. You used to work for HBO. Obviously, now you're with Showtime doing this podcast with their Eric Raskin, the world's number one MMA fan, from what I can tell. And uh, you guys do a great job with the podcast. So we thought, hey, let's get Kieran on here because we need someone who understands this business from top to bottom and can help us get ready for these fights. And certainly, I have some knowledge of it, but not quite like you. And these fights are incredible. So here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to get to the Showtime fight, which is going to be uh, Cool Boy Steph, Stephen Fulton Jr. taking on Figueroa, Brandon Figueroa. And then we're going to talk about the DAZN fight, which was almost the Triller fight that never happened. That's been delayed, what is it, nine times between uh, Teofimo Lopez and George Cambosis. Did I get it right? Is it nine times they delayed that fight? Yeah, I think this is the ninth scheduled date, yeah. Unbelievable. So in either case, um, welcome to the show. And uh, let me just remind everyone, thumbs up on the video, hit subscribe. If you want to try Showtime to get this fight, to watch it, you can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, pound sand, do whatever you want. Of course, you know about morningcombat.store, where you can get all of our great merch. 
And uh, email us for either Wednesday's fan subs or Friday's dead wrong morning combat at gmail.com. Real quickly, Karen, if I may, let me do one quick read. Let me pay some bills here if I can. Gentlemen, the, le- the leading men's hygiene brand just launched products. That's right. Check out the new ultra premium body wash and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner from Manscaped. Time to give yourself the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season uh, here's what you can do. Get the Ultra Premium Body Wash infused with aloe vera to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. The 2-to-1 shampoo and conditioner has ingredients with benefits that hydrate, nourish, condition, and strengthen your scalp and hair at the same time. But don't forget, you can get Santa's beard in your pants if you're not careful, which can be remedied by the Performance Package 4.0. Here's what you're going to get with that. You get their Signature Lawnmower 4.0. The electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts, and it's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The performance package also includes the Crop Preserver, Crop Reviver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner. Time to keep the North Pole feeling and smelling fresh. The Hygiene Bundle, by the way, will also come with a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxers that'll keep everything feeling fresh all day. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products. Get yourself, your dad, your brother, and your friends the best gift of all. The Performance Package 4.0. And now... You can get 20% off. Yes, 20% off and free shipping if you use the code COMBAT, K-O-M-B-A-T, at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code COMBAT. All right, let's move on. All right, Kieran, let's get to it. So Showtime has a fight this weekend between Cool Boy Steph, Stephen Fulton Jr., and then Figueroa, which... Is, it, I don't even know where to begin with this, but I'll actually will begin with what your co-host said on your podcast. He said there were two numbers that stood out to him about this, which was the age of 24 and the age of 27. And those are the two respective ages of Fulton and Figueroa, which you never really get, not never, you rarely get to see boxers of this elite level on this kind of track at this stage in their career. Set the table for us. Who are these two gentlemen, and why is their meeting at this juncture so important? So if you believe in the whole alphabet thing, it's important because they're going to unify a couple of belts. But um, more significantly, you've got two exceptionally talented fighters near the top of an incredibly deep and exciting 122 pound division and this is a fight that we've been hoping to see and looking forward to seeing for quite some time it's exciting because we've got two guys here with a clash of styles uh brandon figueroa uh he's tall for the weight division he's about five eight but he completely negates that height he just likes to come forward bend down and just work really hard on the inside cool boy steph fulton he could be pretty special. He's he's a guy who could be a little bit of a chameleon. He can box, he can move, he can try to slow you down, but he can also, as he proved against Angelo Leo last time out, stand in the pocket himself and just let the punches fly. So we have a real possibility here for a fight in which two guys using two completely different styles could be letting a lot of leather fly over the course of 12 rounds. All right, let's talk about each one in particular. I want to start with Figueroa because his style is baffling to me. To your point, he makes it work. It is quite effective. And the beating, oh, it's another beating, but his last performance and certainly his ability to be um, successful in the way that he was against uh, Luis Neary was incredible. I, you know, Luis Neary on that Charlo doubleheader didn't have the most impressive fight, but prior to that, he was sort of a known power puncher destroyer type, and Figueroa kind of gave him a lot of trouble. But here's what's weird, right? You mentioned he's really tall. He's really rangy. He's very wiry. 
And he doesn't use really a lot of length. He doesn't fight like a tall, rangy fighter. He kind of is like the canopy of a tree where he just tries to capture you in his shade. And once he does that, it's sort of overwhelming. How would you describe his game? Yeah, no, that's ex exceptionally well, well said. He reminds me to some extent a little bit of the late Diego Corrales, who is also tall for his mm. weight division and would never use that height to his advantage. Just love to get in there and fight. Um, and, and he felt that that just happened to work to his advantage. He, he just enjoyed having that extra leverage uh, with those long arms. And, and Figueroa has said, yeah, look, he goes, I know that maybe I should do that. I know that maybe I should fight from a range, but he describes himself as not a very pretty fighter. And I think he's being a bit unfair to himself in that respect. Um, and that I think it's actually kind of fun to watch Brandon Figueroa fight, but he's like, yeah, look, I just go in there. I go in there to throw a lot of punches. I go in there to put hurt on the guy and, and to get it done. He does have a high punch output. He's also pretty good accuracy as well out of that punch output. And he's got some good leather behind those punches. I mean, he wasn't winning against Luis Neri until he was with that body shot. So he's the kind of guy who you wonder if he's going to have a very long career because the nature of the way he fights requires him to take quite a lot of punishment while he's dishing it out. But while he's around, he's somebody who you kind of want to watch because you are never entirely sure he can always get himself in more trouble than he needs to against Julio Ceja, which is the one sort of blemish on his record, which is a, a draw. He probably got himself and got dragged into more of a brawl than he needed to. Um, so sometimes that can work against him and you're never quite sure if that's going to happen. And then he can pull out something like he did against Neri, body shot, game over. Would you say his body punching is his best weapon? Yeah, his body punching is pretty good. He, he doesn't necessarily target the body with abandon, but when he does choose to do so, it's really, really very effective. So the, the fight before this one, the Neri fight, and even the Seha fight, some of the more difficult ones, here's my issue with them. These are, uh, well, the Seha fight was a draw, but the Neary fight, he got a great, great win there. But, like, none of these guys are Stephen Fulton, right? Like, I'm trying to look on the record, and I'm like, you got some solid wins on there. I don't want to take it away from him, but they, he has definitely not fought a guy like Fulton. Is that, would, would you agree with that assessment? I would, um, both in terms of quality and as, as a sort of addendum to that. I don't think that there are a lot of guys like Stephen Fulton. The more that I watch Stephen Fulton, the more special I think he has the potential to be. Uh, he has ridiculous hand speed. He has very good footwork. Um, he likes to be able to maybe uh, slow things down, figure out what's you know what his opponent's going to do, and then turn it up. But he did also show us against Angelo Leo that when he wants to, he can just dig in and, and just fight. So Fulton, I think, is a very, very difficult guy to fight. I think he's a real quality guy. He's not just a step up for Figueroa. I think he'd be a step up for most 122 pounders. I think he might be the class of the division right now, actually. Hmm. Uh, and it's going to be a, a, a difficult challenge for Figueroa. But as we know, styles make fights. And it doesn't matter like how cute you are, how good you are at creating distance. If you've got a guy like Figueroa who's on you and he's not giving you any space and the opportunity to breathe, then it's going to be very difficult for you to, to perform the way you want to. And that's obviously what Figueroa is going to want to do to Fulton. Fulton is an interesting guy, right? Like... He's he's a Philly fighter, if memory serves, and um, 
I, Philly is amazing. On the MMA side, they have turned a corner. Like they're putting out really, really good fighters. Now, obviously not on the level that they do with boxing, but you're, you're starting to see like some high level guys come out of there pretty consistently. But on the boxing side, they just don't let up. You got Jerron Ennis, who is sort of leading the charge. And here comes Stephen Fulton as well. Of the two, this is going to be, I'm asking you to prognosticate in the most unfair of ways. But of the two between Ennis and Fulton, which one do you think has higher ceiling? Wow. Um, both those ceilings are vaulted for both guys. <laughs> um, that they, they have a lot of potential, both of them. I think that Ennis might be the class of boxing uh, in terms of prospects slash contenders right now. And you can't actually even call Ennis a prospect anymore. Uh, the quality of guys now that he is meeting and beating and the way in which he is doing it. Um, and he has already a couple of uh, ready built-in potential rivalries down the line with the likes of Virgil Ortiz. Uh, I think Ines might be the guy to watch. Uh, he might already be knocking on the door of some of the sort of edges of pound-for-pound pound lists. Ennis mm. is really, really special. Fulton, though, is not very far behind. I, th I think the big difference is that Ennis has that extra pop. And, and that's what people like to see, of course. They like to see knockouts. Fulton can give you that, and this is more likely to. So, well, Fulton, let, you, he, his strengths are what? He has high-level adaptability. Like, whatever the challenge calls for, he can kind of mold himself into the boxer that he needs to be to address that. But to your point, decent puncher, but not a dominant puncher. Exactly. Right? Exactly. He's a fast puncher. And fast punches can often, um, they can hit harder than maybe you realize, but they can hit hard enough to just deter your opponents a little bit without necessarily having the power to, to, to drop him or stop him. But he has done that. He scored a good body punch uh, knockout himself just a couple of fights ago. Um, he's very good technically. He's very relaxed in the ring. And he's very relaxed. He's just a relaxed kind of guy, right? He's a very happy guy to talk to he, he enjoys all the different aspects of the sport and and i think he carries that into the ring and being relaxed in the ring obviously is half the battle he moves very well um he generally was regarded as being somebody who works very well off the jab and uses that to kind of control his his opposition and then he can sort of mix in punches afterwards the angelo leo fight has kind of thrown out the blueprint of who is Stephen Fulton and how do you fight him? Because the expectation going into that fight was that Fulton would do what Fulton had mostly done up until that point, box and move, especially against a guy like Leo, who a little like Figueroa, so come forward, body punching kind of guy, throw a lot of punches kind of guy. That was the expectation. Fulton just dug his toes under the canvas and beat Leo to the punch. And that was despite the fact that his corner was kind of asking him not to do that. And he just decided that that was the way to go. And so there he's using his shorter punches and his faster punches to score inside the punches of, of the guy who's you know considered more of the aggressive fighter. And he might try to do that against Figueroa. I don't know that he's going to try to do it to the same extent, but I think that Figueroa is going to have to force him to do that at some point. Uh, and then we're going to see if he's able to replicate that performance against Brandon. Let's talk about what the fight might look like. I, I believe again. I think I want to reference the the, the recent uh, podcast you did with Eric Raskin. The, the last episode, obviously, it's the Showtime Boxing with uh, Raskin and Mulvaney podcast. But what I mean to say is, he had made a point about Canelo and Crawford, these guys who kind of let the fight 
not slip away, but the rounds go to their opponents more often than not a little bit early. And then around six or seven, uh, the rounds, it begins to switch. I wonder if you think, not that Fulton is trying to copy that or will do that often, but he might do it here, right? He might, for a guy like Figueroa, who's going to want to set the tone right away, He's going to be. He's. We already probably know he's going to have more volume than Fulton. I think that's probably a pretty safe conclusion. Fulton's going to have to adjust around that. The question is, how long will that take, and what will those adjustments be? Is that your assessment of what it might look like? Yeah, I think. I don't think he can afford to do quite what Canelo or Bud Crawford do in that because Figueroa is a volume puncher and he keeps coming and he's got really good stamina. I don't think you can afford to give away too many rounds on the expectation you're going to win rounds in the back half of the fight because Figueroa is just going to keep coming. And if you give away too many, then there's a danger that you're st- even if you're starting to turn the fight around, you're still going to lose one or two and, and lose a close decision. But I think what would probably make the most sense for Stephen Fulton is somewhat along the lines of what you said, is that for a round or two to try to maybe back up, drag Figueroa onto him, try to keep some distance, move a little bit, get a sense of where Figueroa wants to position himself, how he wants to throw his punches. Is he going to start reaching for any punches? Is that going to give Fulton an opportunity to counter? And try to do that and maybe box off the counter frustrate Figueroa a little bit while not giving the rounds away, if you know what I mean. That's going to be what he's going to want to try to do and then see if he can start to impose himself. Figueroa, right from the off, is going to try to just kind of go straight at Fulton and try to impose himself on him. So I think the question is going to be, what is Fulton's response going to be to that? Is he going to do what I think he's probably going to do for a couple of rounds and try to move, try to see what he can do, see if he can control it from the outside, and then if he has to get dragged into a fight, how he copes with that? Or whether he just decides right from the off, I've seen what you can do. I've seen how you fight. I can do it better than you. I'm going to get respect from you. My, my hands are faster. I can get my punches to your chin faster than you can get your punches to my chin. Let's go at it and do that right from round one. Two fights ago, I would never have imagined that he would do that. After the Angelo Leo performance, you have to consider that that might be a possibility. Hmm. Known weaknesses. What are the weaknesses? No fighter is perfect. Uh, what do we have for Fulton and Figueroa from your mind? Any kind of blemish or something to watch out for that could play a role? Well, the biggest blemish that either guy has is Figueroa can get hit. Um, Fulton can too. Um, you know, his opponents tend to land about you know thirty percent or so of their punches against him, which is you know a pretty decent level. But Figueroa can be hit more, and we've seen that, and that's not surprising, right? Because of the way that he fights, you expect that if you're going to be a give two to get one kind of a fighter, that that's going to happen. Uh, but he can be tagged. His chin does seem to be really good. Both guys' chins seem to be really good. So Fulton might be considering if he does decide to get in there a little bit with with Figueroa, that that's going to be his advantage, that he's going to be able to tag Figueroa's chin more than Figueroa is going to be able to tag his. Otherwise, you know, Fulton looks to me, even though he can get hit, he's a pretty darn good and complete fighter. I think it's going to be harder for Figueroa to find a weakness of Fulton to exploit, unless there's something there that we just haven't seen yet, uh, than it is for Fulton to exploit something of Figueroa. Um, we'll see whether, in fact, Fulton's going to be able to cope with the kind of pressure that Figueroa can bring, and maybe he's just going to be able to rough him up and put him out of his, uh, uh, you know, out of his sort of comfort zone. But that Figueroa defense, because he bends forward, because he comes forward, because he just throws, that's possibly the weak spot. Is Fulton going to be able to expose that? 
Hmm, interesting. So as we mentioned, two guys in their 20s, they're trying to unify the WBO Super Bantamweight title and then the WBC Super Bantamweight title. That's the reason this fight is getting made, right? They're unifying the titles. But nevertheless, a fight of this quality for fighters of this age, in your estimation, Kieran, how, how rare is that in boxing? Well, as you said at the top, it's too rare, isn't it? And And it's understandable why to some extent, because... I mean, you know this better than most people, that that one at the end of your record means so much more in boxing than it does in MMA. Uh, and you fighters don't want to get that one too early against a potential rival, um, you know, particularly if you feel you've still got great earning potential ahead. It's a really big deal for these guys to be fighting right now because they're not household names. Hardcore fans like us know about them. I think they have the potential to become very well known because they're that good. Um, in an ideal scenario, you want a situation where you've built your name up, you're getting a lot more money, and maybe you're a pay-per-view fighter before you take on this kind of fight. So for these two guys to be doing that right now, uh, I think is really commendable. And you spoke to Stephen Fulton this week. What was your takeaway from the conversation? What kind of mood was he in? Did he, did he tell you anything that, that stood out? He, again, he's a very relaxed guy. He, um, he enjoys doing interviews. He's a great guy to interview. He doesn't give you the lengthiest answers, but he gives you answers. Uh, and, and he often does it, does it with a smile. Um, I think one of the things that comes across, he's a very intelligent fighter. You know, he was talking about the nuances, as I mentioned earlier, you might assume, oh, Angelo Leo is a come forward, throw a bunch of punches fighter, Brandon Figueroa is, they must be the same kind of guy. He subtly differentiated between them. And I inferred that he feels that Figueroa is somewhat the more dangerous guy in that he's the one who's able to sort of smother you and hit you or hurt you with a lot of the punches that he throws and again you know you never know do you like a week out from a fight a fighter can be in a good mood or it can be gnarly because they're having to start to lose weight or the expectation is growing he was just very relaxed gave us a little bit of time um you know was was in a good mood looking forward to the idea of unifying these belts and then perhaps going on and then getting a couple more. Uh, he wants to join that list of the guys who are putting all four belts together. Uh, we asked him, Eric asked him, if, we, if he was a betting man, what would he, what would he recommend <laughs> that we put the money on? And he said uh, TK09. So hmm. take that. Take that as you will. I think if I recall as well, he thanked the media. Let me tell you something. As a guy who predominantly covers MMA, I don't know if I've ever heard an MMA fighter say that. But, uh, but Fulton was... You know, I, I, you, if you didn't know better, you would have thought he did that interview with his feet up by the pool. You know what I mean? Like, right? He had that kind of an energy. All right. So, uh, do you have a? Do you, are you? Uh, everyone's different. Are you going to hazard a prediction here? What is your thought about how this ultimately might go? I think it's going to be a hard, hard fight. I, I, both guys are going to know they're in a fight. But I've been high on Brandon Figueroa for a while but I'm really high on Stephen Fulton. I think it is entirely possible. I think one, I do think that Fulton's going to win the fight. Uh, with respect to his odds making, I think it's going to go the distance. Hmm. Um, I think one of two things are going to happen. Either Fulton's just about going to dig out a tough fight against a really tough guy, and he's going to show us that he's got some you know, real underlying toughness, or he's going to look spectacular in doing it. Like He's just going to beat Figueroa to the punch, just look absolutely phenomenal. This could could almost be 
a Floyd Mayweather Diego Corrales kind of a, a thing. Like that was the fight that really told us exactly how remarkable Floyd was. I really think Steph Fulton's good, and I think he may very well show us just how good he is on Saturday night. Hmm, it's interesting. I, I tend to think, you know, for my very amateurish opinion, that you know Fulton is, um, as you mentioned, if not the class of the division, pretty pretty close. And so I think he'll win. I guess the only thing I'm looking for, I don't have a prediction beyond that, but I guess what I'm looking for is to what extent might he accommodate Figueroa with some of the inside fighting? And then to what extent does he use to keep Figueroa off of him? Because I have a feeling he's going to have to do both. And how he solves that riddle, I really have no idea. Exactly. I mean, I can see a situation where he's trying to box from the outside. Figueroa is repeatedly putting him in position where he has to fight. He's the one who's perhaps throwing the flurries and the combinations in close, and then he's able to slip under and move out and reset and try again. In an ideal world, that's what Steph Fulton's going to want to do. Figueroa, of course, is going to want to just try and keep him there in front of him and make him work. And, and I think that's going to be the exciting tension of the fight. Uh, very quickly, anything on the rest of that card that the fans might want to pay attention to? The co-main could be a lot of fun. Uh, also 122 pounds. Raiz Alim uh, against Eduardo Baez. Um, Aleem's undefeated, really good fighter. Um, is actually kind of getting on a little bit in years for a guy who's at his stage of his career. That's partly because he started late and he had a big interruption early in his career when he just couldn't get any fights. Eduardo Baez, uh, a lot of folks won't have heard about him, but he had a, a couple of fights on Ring City USA uh, where he was the B side and he and he handed the undefeated A side their first loss. The thing about Baez that's phenomenal is. The guy throws an inhuman amount of punches. I'm going to have to just quickly check my notes just to confirm that I get it right because it's so utterly bizarre. Uh, he throws, uh, he's thrown 130 or more punches in nine of the 16 rounds tracked by CompuBox. He threw something like 140 <laughs> punches around in one of those wins, I think, against uh, Ortiz on, uh, on ring. That's, uh, that, that's insane. Absurd. Absolutely absurd amount of punches. So seeing how Raiz Alim, who is theoretically the class of that, of that matchup, copes with this guy is going to be absolutely fascinating. Uh, and then lastly, the winner of this fight between Fulton and Figueroa, they'll have two of the belts. Where might the winner go from there? Is it a potential undisputed territory? How, how are they going to solve the rest of that weight class riddle? Yeah, I think ideally, and of course, it's the standard political issue. Um, you know, Fulton said that he wants to fight Murajan Akhmadaliyev next, uh, who holds those other two belts. Um, Akhmadaliyev won just the other night, looked okay um, without looking spectacular. But, um, you know, he's the guy... I think, you know, those are those whoever wins this and Akhmedaliev are the top two in the 122 pound division. Akhmedaliev himself has beaten some of the other good guys. There are other really good fighters out there. Danny Roman, but Akhmedaliev has just gotten past him. Uh, Ronnie Rios is out there. But really, in an ideal world, Fulton Akhmedaliev would be the fight that or, or Figueroa Akhmedaliev would be the fight that you'd want to see. It's, hmm. again, dealing with that issue of broadcasters and, and promotion promoters. And we'll see if we can make that or not. Yeah, may the best man win, but I'll say this. I think a better fight would be Fulton Akhmedalia. I saw that Akhmedalia fight from the weekend. He looked fine. Yeah. Not his best performance, right? He was in against an absurdly, ridiculously tough guy. Uh, I mean, the kind of punishment that, uh, that, is a, that that Chilean opponent was taking was ridiculous. But yeah, I felt like it was a perfectly fine performance, but I felt like given that Fulton Figueroa is coming up, he could have done with a really spectacular performance. He could have done with getting him out of there to be able to say, here I am. 
come and get me. And I don't think he quite made that claim. Uh, but nonetheless, Fulton and Figueroa know who he is. They know that he's the guy that they want, and they're the one he's he's the one they want to try and get next. I think. I can't wait for it. I believe that kicks off at 9 p.m. in the East on Showtime. And again, Showtime.com. If you want to get a 30-day free trial to watch it, if you don't already have it, okay. Let's talk about the other fight this weekend. I'm a DAZN customer too. I'm actually glad this fight is happening because I thought for sure it would never, ever happen. But Teofimo Lopez is going to defend his WBA Super, IBF, WBO, and the ring lightweight titles against George Cambosis. Again, this is the ninth scheduled time they were, they were supposed to go fight. Some of that is Triller's fault. Uh, actually, most of it is Triller's fault. In fact, the IBF, I think, declared them to be uh, basically uh, incapable of, of putting this on and in, and in default of it. But also, it is true that, or at least we, see, we think it's true, Matt asked Tank Davis, he has a different opinion, but that Teofimo Lopez got COVID, and so there was delays there as well. But here we are, it is finally happening at the Hulu Theater in New York City at Madison Square Garden. Before we get into the fight itself, Kieran, I'm glad you're on this podcast, because I would love to pick your brain about this. Where are you on the whole Triller thing in boxing, which I know is a very broad, maybe unfairly worded question. So answer it however you like, but what is your impression of what they've done? I don't know what they're trying to do, to be honest. I, I get the impression a little bit that they're trying to fix something that, I don't want to say that boxing doesn't need fixing, because it obviously does. But um... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Some of the aspects that they seem to want to change and fix are not the things that need to be changed and fixed like you know what boxing needs it needs fights alternated with rap battles does it though <laughs> does it really i'm not sure that that if i was going to go through my list of things that we could do to improve boxing i don't think that would be there um you know and this latest thing of, of trying to do these combined rules uh in a, in a triangular ring i just i don't know what they're trying to do and i don't know why they're trying to do it other than the sense of somebody deciding hey i've got all these great ideas uh it almost feels as if and i'm not saying if any lawyers are listening i'm not saying that this is how trailer got about into the boxing business some folks are sitting around smoking a bunch of joints and going you know what would be really cool and then having the money to like make it happen and added to that that does seem that seem to happen some competence issues to put it mildly um i i felt that when they hired torsten meyer as their CEO, that that would be an immediate improvement, but it seems like that's sort of taking some time to, to get into place. I, I just don't know what, I guess I would say, what is Triller and why is Triller? I, I don't yeah. know what they think they're trying to achieve here or why my, they my feel it needs to be done. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, see, see what you think of my theory? I would love to... Be... Listen, at the end of the day, what is Triller? It's a video app that was designed to be a competitor to TikTok. That's really where it comes from. And they've paid influencers uh, to be on the app as a way to like grow the platform, which fine, you know, I don't know how much that works, but that's hardly a scandal. That kind of thing happens. And uh, they do have some venture, actually quite a bit of venture capital money. This seems to me like a bunch of guys who are casual boxing fans that are flush with VC cash 
that thought, gee, wouldn't it be cool if like Snoop Dogg was commentating and, and uh, we had like this circus event, but also like the occasional, hey, this is a real hardcore boxing fans delight. Because remember, they did have, for a time, it was a, it was a totally overmatched performance, but they had Ivan Redcatch against Regis Progray. I mean, that is on some level a, a real boxing fight, right? Uh, but now they they have they have all of the circus tricks they've tried have basically run out, and so they're trying a like a paradigm shift to this triangular ring with MMA fighters versus boxers and this accommodated rule set. But hey, there's Metallica, so it's like a Metallica concert with like real weird bad fights. I mean, I don't even know. It just seems to me like it's venture capital money they don't know what to do with. Yeah, and honestly, your description of it there does not do a lot to take me away from my earlier theory about people sitting around smoking pot and coming <laughs> up with really, you know, it kind of fits. So, all right. But the good news is, uh, Trillard no longer has their paws on this. They initially were the ones who made the huge bid for Teofimo Lopez, and here we are. He has a new deal with Top Rank, but this one will be done under the auspices of DAZN, Eddie Hearn taking control of it, and here we are. Okay. Let's talk about this fight. Here's the bad news. Teofimo Lopez basically lost a year of his career, which is really bad. But as it relates to Cambosis Jr., he kind of also lost a year of his career. So in terms of the fight itself, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine any scenario where Lopez loses short of like a freak accident. Size, size this one up for me. Uh, you kind of just gave my... My, uh, my my brief <laughs> summary right there. Uh, look, Cambosis is a perfectly fine fighter from what I've been able to see of him. Um, perfectly decent boxer, but there's nothing remarkable about him. And I, I don't see what he has to make Teofimo Lopez even uncomfortable, let alone to defeat him. I mean, you look at Lopez's run over the last few years, the only guy who somewhat at times made him look uncomfortable was Nakatani. But that was just a physical styles make fights thing. And Lopez still won like 10 out of the 12 rounds of that fight. Lomachenko mm. down the back half of their fight obviously did well um, until Lopez pulled out the 12th round. The thing with Teofimo Lopez is that he's very good technically. Like his fundamentals are very sound, as we saw, you know, particularly in the first half of that fight against Lomachenko. But he also has this absurd, you know, box full of X factors. He has this ability to throw uh, a, a powerful KO punch off the back foot um, and either with either hand to end a fight from absolutely nowhere to do that sort of seemingly unconventional Roy Jones-esque hands down, throw a punch, bam, the guy's out of there kind of thing, as well as being very fundamentally sound. He's a very, really complete package in many respects, I think, Teofimo Lopez. There are as many fighters will say levels to this game this really feels like a levels fight and we've gone we spent a lot of effort and used a lot of words and spilled a lot of ink writing about all the drama around making this fight and i'm not convinced that the fight itself and i don't mean any disrespect to george cambosis jr but i'm not at all convinced that the fight itself is going to live up to everything that went before it to be perfectly mm. honest with you simply because unless you particularly enjoy watching a tremendously skilled young talent at work and we'll see that i think in teofimo lopez yeah, where were you prior to the Lomachenko fight? I will say, I will declare, I was too chicken shit to outright pick Lopez. But if you go back and you listen to the shows we did just prior to it, man, um, I've, I've been high on Lopez for a long time. I knew that fight would at bare minimum be competitive. Again, I picked Lomachenko because I'm, I'm a wuss, but 
his skill to me, not only is he highly skilled, obviously, as you mentioned, as a technical boxer, but his athleticism just jumps off the screen. Cambosis is just not like that. But okay, but prior to Lomachenko, how much of a fight did you think Lopez was going to give him? Well, I'll tell you this. So first time I saw Lopez fight, he was something like 4-0. He was on the undercard of a, of a Terrence Crawford fight uh, at the Garden and didn't really know much about him other than that I was standing there with my HBO mic flag microphone and his dad came up to me seeing me with the HBO thing and says, my son's going to be the greatest thing in boxing since Muhammad Ali. And I go, hmm. uh-huh, because, you know, you, we all get stuff like that if we're standing around fights, right? And then I watched him, and I'm, I forget who he was fighting. Like I said, he was about his fifth pro fight. And immediately thought, okay, this kid has got some real skills. And I have been very, very high on Tiafimo Lopez for a long time. Now, I picked Lomachenko to win simply because I would always say that I thought that Terence Crawford was the best human boxer. And at that point, I thought that Vasily Lomachenko was some kind of alien and was doing things that, that no other human could do. So I did pick Lomachenko to win that fight on points, but I did pick Lopez to give him the toughest fight that he probably had to that point. Um, mm. I was as impressed with Lopez in that fight as I was disappointed with Lomachenko. Um, and I think the fact that it's remarkable how quickly we've almost forgotten Vasily Lomachenko when you think about just hmm. how impressive he was and just what he was doing to really, really good price fighters. Nobody's seen Nicholas Walters ever since he made him quit, for example. Um, and Tiafimo Lopez beat him and he beat him fair and he beat him by dominating the first half of the fight and then by digging out the 12th round uh, when, when Lomachenko was coming back at him. And if you do that, you're good. You're really, really good. And Teofimo Lopez, I think, is special. All right, so I'm going to assume that Lopez is going to win this. I mean, if you can ice Richard Comey inside too, you know, you, you don't want to play boxing math, but it's just hard to see a route for Cambosis. So let me ask a different question. Let's assume, and we could be wrong, but let's assume, of course, he gets past Cambosis. What are your hopes for his matchmaking after that? Because obviously we're just in an age where you have the Devin Haney's and the Tank Davises, and you have now Teofimo Lopez, but they're all kind of all over the place. I think Haney... Just either, I'm not sure what his current status is in terms of who he is. Obviously, he's been on zone with Eddie Hearn or whatever, but I'm not sure how much longer that's going to be in play. But do you have any hope that these these greats of this era will meet? Hmm. Hope. Hope, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, expectation lags a little bit farther behind. Uh, I don't know. I kind of reading the tea leaves from Lopez, I get the impression he might not stick around at lightweight and he might move up to 140. Um, and if he did that and faced Josh Taylor, that'd be great, of course. Um, they're stable mates. You have to think that's a makeable fight if that were to happen. But I think at the same time, I mean, Josh Taylor's in a really good situation right now because I think, you know, Aaron would like to maybe try and get him in with Terrence Crawford at 147 now if he could do that. Um, so I don't know. I... um I I made the mistake of on the on the boxing podcast referring to, you know, the Lopez's and the Haney's and uh, the Tank Davis's and the Ryan Garcia's as, as the four princes. Right. As this kind of like nod to the fact that they weren't the four kings, but there was a potential there for a rivalry. And that doesn't seem to be any closer to happening than it was. Uh, so what's disappointing is that nobody involved seems really excited about trying to make what are really obviously exciting matchups and 
there just seems to be a little bit of a reticence there to make any of these matchups. And they've obviously some of them, these guys have different issues that they're trying to work out and so on. But it would be a tremendously missed opportunity. And I would actually put it higher on the list of things that boxing has to fix than having rap battles in between bouts. <laughs> if we have these four very talented young fighters who somehow managed to avoid meeting each other. I think that would be, this would be a real loss if we don't take advantage of the fact that we have these four really, really good. Now, that said, I think Lopez beats them all, hmm. but um, you still want to see it. And I don't know that we're very close to that happening. Hmm. Well, either way, it goes through George Cambosis Jr. November 27th at the Hulu Theater, obviously in uh, Madison Square Garden. You can catch that on DAZN. Uh, and I don't know if they have any deal where you can sign up or not. I don't know how that works. But again, for the Figueroa and Fulton fight, you can go to Showtime.com and you can get a 30-day free trial. Uh, Kieran, the podcast, Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney. Tell the folks about it if they haven't heard it yet, please. Drops every Monday morning. 9 a.m. Eastern, and you can get it on all your usual uh, podcast venues. We, it is Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney, but we don't just talk Showtime Boxing. Um, we uh, we do do more of a deep dive analysis of the Showtime fights, but we look at everything. We have uh, a guest pretty much every week. Uh, as you mentioned, it was called Boy Steph Fulton this week. Um, and uh, if you enjoy listening to a couple of knuckleheads just spouting off about boxing, which if you listen to Morning Combat, you probably do. Um, right. Then, you know, add Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney to your list. There you have it. It's uh, it's a great compliment, I would actually argue, to MK. You get a lot of different uh, analysis and a lot of different looks. And the two together bring you, I think, a, a, a better perspective altogether on what you can expect, obviously, for the weekend in fights and everything else going on in the fight game. Uh, Kieran, enjoy Vermont, good sir. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And enjoy the fights on Saturday. Bet. You too.